Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thank you for joining us on WMEX, the all new 1510 AM Quincy Boston and translator W266DQ 101.1 FM in Weymouth. You are listening to Upholding Hope with Uncle Tony and Jim Wahlberg. Now here's your host, Uncle Tony. Uh, thank you, Ben. This is our first show of this type, and I really appreciate the chance to get on here and talk about this. And we have Jim Wahlberg on the line. Hey, Tony. How are you, buddy? I'm good. And we've invited Jim to be one of our stand-in um, personalities who will be on this show. And most of you just heard a commercial that was Jim, Jim's voice that you were just listening to. So Jim is a person with a lot of experience in this area, and we'd like to um, open with him. And Jim, can you kind of give us a little bit of your history so people understand how knowledgeable you are about this uh, situation with recovery sure. and addiction and variety of things? Sure. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, I guess to do it as briefly as possible because it's a life, it's a lifetime story. Um, you know, I started using drugs and alcohol at a very, very young age. And um, and things, you know, as they do, got out of control pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I ended up uh, committed to the Department of Youth Services, which means the state is making all the decisions as it relates to my life. Um, and I ended up homeless, uh, then in and out of adult correctional facilities, um, you know, houses of corrections, county jails, and ultimately uh, state prison in Massachusetts. And um, I ended up actually doing two state prison sentences, and all related to and directly related to my use and abuse of substances. I had some pretty profound experiences in prison, ended up um, being blessed with the gift of recovery. And, um, you know, uh, I got out of prison for the last time in uh, February of 1990. And uh, and since that time, I've been clean and sober. Uh, you know, I actually got clean and sober in, in 88 in prison. Um, and then, you know, I got out and, you know, had to learn how to sort of function in society because I, I really didn't have much of a clue as I had spent, you know, such a large portion of my life locked up uh, and under, you know, very sort of regimented circumstances. Um, I did basically the 80s locked up. And so I got out in 1990 and, um, you know, I had some, some good people in my life and I had some great recovery people in my life. And, uh, and I just, you know, tried to stay as close to those people as I could and tried to learn from their examples um, you know, met a beautiful girl, got married, had a bun bunch of kids, you know, um, and things were, were going, were going good, you know, and, and then, um, people around me started to lose their children. People around me started to lose their spouses and their siblings from overdoses. And, uh, and this, this new drug, everybody was talking about this new drug, Oxy. And, um, you know, I felt obligated to to help at least facilitate a conversation, you know. And so uh, that's what I did by way of making a film. I made a film called If Only, and that's actually where I met Tony, Uncle Tony. Um, he was in the film in a very specific part where a lot of families that had lost loved ones, particularly their children, had come together to be in this movie and, you know, to try to enlighten other people and educate other people. And, you know, my plan was I was going to make that movie and go on back about my business. But, um, you know, for me, the best explanation I can, I can give is, is that God had another plan for me. And that plan included me, um, being asked to go places all around the country and bring this film and to help these communities facilitate a conversation. And, uh, and then ultimately the DEA took notice of that and asked if 
I would be willing to be involved in some events with them, educating children. And, and ultimately, we started to do events that uh, live events that range between 5,000 and 10,000 kids per event. And, uh, and these events were wrapped around the film that I made. And, and you know, I, it's important for me to say that I have never shown that particular movie. I've made 10, 10 or so movies on addiction, but, but the movie we're talking about for this story is If Only. And I've never shown that film without having a parent there that has lost their, a child to share their experience because, you know, it's, it's a critical part of that process, right? That people understand that, you know, these people are not from the moon. They're from, they're, 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 they're their neighbors, their coworkers, their friends, their, you know, they play on sports teams with them. It's not something just happening somewhere else. It's happening everywhere. It's happening in their community. And so, um, you know, we hit the road. And we started to do these events. We did the first one was in New Hampshire. We had ten thousand kids, and we went to uh, we went to Utah. We went to uh, we came to Massachusetts. We went to New Mexico. We went to Los Angeles. We went to New York. We went to Pennsylvania and a couple of different places. I mean, we we traveled the, the entire country for about five years doing these education events, and. Um, you know, it's, I thought that things were getting better. I thought that, you know, maybe I finally would be able to spend my time doing something else. And then, you know, uh, COVID hit and people got locked down and, and, you know, isolation is the enemy of, of, of an addict, you know, it really is. And so, um, you know, we're coming out of the worst year unrecorded history for overdose deaths from opioids. It's 100,000 overdose deaths in 2020. And um, and so the work continues. And uh, we actually just did an opioid youth summit, a virtual event with 15,000 kids up in New Hampshire with the governor and the DEA. And, um, you know, we're, we're trying to educate people. We're trying to um, stay on the front lines and, and trying to get young people in particular, the information they need, but also families, right? Because, you know, these things are, uh, I don't know a single parent that has lost a child that ever thought that that would happen to them, right? That that they all thought that that, that would never happen to us, that will happen to somebody else, that we're different. We're not, you know, we're not that kind of a family. And we don't know what that means anymore, that kind of a family, Right. This thing affects everybody from all economic statuses, from all races, creeds, colors. It affects everybody, and it's killing people at an alarming rate, so there's still lots of work to be done. And, and I've been blessed to, you know, to stand side by side with uh, with Uncle Tony. I'm going to have to get used to calling him Uncle Tony. To me, he's more like a dad, not an uncle, but... Um, you know, I, 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 I've been blessed to stand by your side and, and do this work, you know, and, and we continue to do the work. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jim. I mean, <clears throat> the big thing that people need to understand, though, it's always not going to be my kid, and, and they don't realize that how opioids work. And, like, my own son was in a situation where he was a football player, and he got an injury, and I'd never heard of oxycodone or oxycontin in my life. I had no idea what an opioid was. And I even filled a prescription, which is something that haunts me to, till today, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, and that first prescription, after you're told you can't play football anymore, and you're told you, uh, and you got pain in your neck, and all of a sudden this thing goes in your mouth, and all of a sudden, after two or three days, you say, well, this makes me feel pretty good. I never felt this good for a long time. And and that's the beginning. And it's and it's a drug that's very, very hard to get off of. So this is one of the things we're trying to do this in this month is trying to help those that have addiction and how to cope and make sure they can get through these holidays because this is the worst time for temptation. Mm -hmm. uh, statistically... Yep. Uh, December, we'll have an average of 300 people will die today. That's frightening. 300 people will die of an overdose in this country today. 
And we, we really need to make people aware. And that's what I found with, with If Only, we've done a great job teaching the kids to understand it. Um, and then it's the parents, too, that and the hospitals that just keep pushing the drug on people. And mm. there's, a, there's a TV show out called uh, Dope Sick. It's on Hulu. And um, I actually haven't seen the whole thing, but I just watched an episode where man was in the hospital with a with a prostate operation, and they insisted that he, you know, they came with a little picture and showed him zero to ten, where's your pain level? And when he picked six, the woman said, oh, then you need opioids. And she insisted that he start taking them. And of course, he knew already, because he worked for the Department of Justice, he knew what was bad about him. And he insisted not to take them. And they kept insisting that he does take them. And she even called the doctor to explain to him that that you have to take these because we get judged on how our patients deal with pain. And if you if you have pain when you leave here, it goes against us and we might not get paid. That's pretty much what they said. And uh, oh. this is a this is a problem. And it still goes on today. There are still people who have, don't understand how addictive this drug is. And I want to be very clear and the drug, the, the person doesn't abuse the drug. The drug abuses the person. That's really, really a, a big thing. And another little subject is if you're a parent or a spouse of someone who has an addiction problem, whether it be uh, opioids, heroin, um, the big, or, or alcohol, uh, there, there is hope for you and there are places that you can go and things that we would highly recommend that you do. And um, I spoke today to Joanne Peterson, and Learn to Cope is very supportive of our new program. And they want people to get out there. I'm going to give some phone numbers, so if those are, that are listening, get yourself a pencil and a piece of paper or a pen. And we'll give out phone numbers a couple of times tonight to make sure you know where there's resources that you can go. And, mm -hmm. if you, and if you need to get to an AA meeting, we'll give you the local number in Boston. They'll tell you where every AA meeting is every day. Now, did you have to, did you go to AA when you came out of the, the prison system? Well, you know, that is an anonymous program, right, Tony? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, so, you know, I did, I did get myself involved both in, in and out of prison. I got myself involved in some 12-step programs for sure. Um, and, you know, this is not the kind of a thing that one overcomes on their own, right? This is the kind of thing that um, you need support. You know, you need help. You need people to talk to. You need, you know, in some cases, you're going to need, you know, to be placed in a, in a treatment facility, right, under a doctor's care. Um, you know, these, these drugs, these substances, and alcohol as well, they rewire your brain. You know, so what happens is is that this stuff starts to it gets hold of you and it starts to tear down your life and what everybody else sees as the thing tearing you apart, you see it as the thing holding you together. And that's what makes it such a complex and difficult thing to address, right? And so um, you know, finding professional help is critical. It really is. And, uh, and then following that up with, with, uh, with self-help groups and 12-step groups and, and, and counseling and therapy and whatever you can get, the more you can get, the better off you're going to be is, is the way I look at it. I agree with that. And I also would like to throw in, I think that from what I can see, the people who are in recovery, they've had to change their, like, their drugs you know, they steal your natural endorphins and give you artificial endorphins. Yeah. We need to go back to something like that. And I know you've become very, uh, very religious guy and you're very faith uh, orientated. Yeah. And I and I think that really helps. And I think same thing if, if it's going to a gym every single day. And I know somebody who yeah. does yoga twice a day and and then meditation groups. And, and um and uh, you're still under the philosophy it's one day at a time, even if it's 30 years ago that you've been sober from, right? Yep, absolutely. And it, is, it, it will be one day at a time for the rest of my life. Yeah, and as soon um, as a person accepts that fact or that role, 
it's not so hard if you figure it. Oh, it's only one day at a time. You don't. We don't want to think. Well, it's still. Yeah, it's still. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to try to create the illusion for anybody that it's easy, right? Because it's not, right? It gets easier. It gets better. But life is hard, right? So whether you got thirty days or thirty years, life can get real hard, right? And when you are, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not moving in a direction of recovery, if you're stagnant, stagnant in your recovery, you know, it can be a dangerous and slippery slope. You know, um, I had something happen to me not long ago, and if I wasn't grounded in my faith and in, in, in actively involved in my own recovery, it probably could have sent me off the deep end. I went, I was out to a restaurant and ordered, uh, my friend and I sat down and we were going to eat some dinner and he ordered a Diet Coke and I ordered bubbly water is the way I put it to her, right? Salsa water, tonic water. And she puts his Diet Coke down. She puts my drink down. I pick it up. I smell it. I don't smell anything. I take a gulp and it's vodka with tonic water in it, you know, and I swallowed it and the alarm bells went off in my head immediately, you know, and this is, I'm 33 years without a drink or a drug, but the alarm bells went off immediately and I ran into the bathroom and I washed out my mouth and, and I'll be honest with you, I was pretty angry, pretty angry at the woman who served the drink to me. Um, and you know, I got upset. I, I cannot tell a lie. I got upset because it's a life or death situation for me, you know, and if I was not in the, in the good, healthy space that I was in on that particular day, that whole scenario could have went a very different way, you know. And so this is something that we, you know, it has to be, you have to take care of it. The thing that the average person probably doesn't understand is it's more, it's also more than just not using drugs and alcohol, right? I had to change the person that I was. I had to... I had to start to think and act a different way. Mostly I had to start acting a different way. And then eventually I started to think a different way as well. But I need, I need to be, you know, actively being in recovery. I need to constantly have my hand out to those that are suffering around me. I need to be of service wherever I can be of service. And I need to be taking care of myself. This is a threefold illness, they say. It's spiritual, physical, and mental. And I need to take care of all three of those. If I take care of all three of those today, I can live a, a happy, joyous, and free life. But if I don't take care of those, it's only a matter of time before I'm unhappy, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm looking for something to make me feel different. And that's when things can get really dangerous and out of control. Absolutely. And that's what, as you said, it's it's all three of them, you know. Um, Before we go to break, I just want to just mention uh, Learn to Cope. Uh, Learn to Cope is, uh, they now have, I believe, uh, 27 chapters in Massachusetts. And we have one in Florida. And I want to give out a couple of phone numbers. 508-738-5148. That's the Massachusetts number. And if you call that number, they will tell you which chapter is closest to where you live. I mean, in the uh, before COVID, we would actually have people come in and uh, you'd go to a facility, a place at a school or someplace and, and, and actually have a face-to-face with other families who are having the same problem, dealing with somebody who's got addiction issues. And now it's a lot of it's done on Zoom. So if you call that number, 508-738, Five one four eight. That will get you connected to one of the the Zoom or one of the ones in your area. In Florida, you call five six one six nine two nine seven two seven. And there's one Florida chapter, and you can get same thing on a Zoom call with the Florida uh, chapter. And then the Massachusetts AA number is six one seven four two six nine four four four. And as Jim mentioned, that uh, AA is anonymous, so anybody who goes, nobody tells anybody who's there, and there's no discussion about it after the fact. Mm. 
And so that's Tony. If I can, I, I just wanted to just jump in there too and just say so that people are clear that there's a difference between treatment and and in recovery groups, right? And you know, most people, not all people, but most people, I think, prior to getting help through, you know, AA or NA or a lot of these other organizations, particularly people that are using, not the family members, um, need need treatment, right? right? And we played the commercial just before the show started, and if it's okay, I'd like to give out that number too, Tony. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's one eight three three evoke me You know, it, 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 Evoke Wellness is a, a, a full-service treatment center in Cohasset, Massachusetts, and, um, you know, they're there in places like Evoke. I'm not just pitching Evoke today. I'm just telling you that there's help available, and uh, sometimes professional help is completely necessary. Now, on the website, the Evoke website, it says 833-480-2300. Yeah, that's a different number, but that's okay. That number works, too. Yes, okay. We're going to have to take a little break here, and we'll be right back with Jim Wahlberg. Listen to WMEX anytime, anywhere on Odyssey. Odyssey is your new audio home for all the music, news, sports, and podcasts that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. This financial update with CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger is sponsored by Indeed. When it comes to holiday shopping on a budget, there are apps for that. Here's Jill. There are holiday-specific apps like Santa's Bag and Christmas List Snowball. If you're worried about your seasonal hiring needs, then you need Indeed. Indeed is the smart hiring platform that delivers four times more hires than all other sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Post a job and hire ASAP. Visit Indeed.com credits. I'm Micah Fink, a veteran, a former Navy SEAL, and founder of Heroes and Horses. I'm with Boot Barn to talk about the power of being present. The holiday season, to me, should be a time of reflection. No matter what your modality is in life, no matter what you do, no matter what your experience is, it's a time to slow down and evaluate and then connect with the people that you love. And I think the greatest gift that you could give anybody in your life is the gift of time. Boot Barn. Share the West. Hi, friends. This is Jim Wahlberg here. I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about Evoke Wellness, a premier addiction treatment center on the South Shore of Massachusetts. Addiction, or substance use disorder, is a very serious issue, and it is tearing our families and our communities apart. If you or a loved one is suffering from addiction or substance use disorder, let us help you get your family on the road to recovery. Please give us a call here at Evoke Wellness. 1-833-EVOKE-ME or 1-833-386-6356. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. The Greatest Hits! 1510 Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Upholding Hope with Uncle Tony and our special guest, Jim Wahlberg, now here back to Uncle Tony. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, Jim, you were, you were trying to explain the difference because um, I, I understand that if somebody has a, uh, an alcohol problem and they have not been into recovery, um, they've got to they've get help first before they can start yeah. showing up at AA meetings. I mean, that, that might be a start, but they really need to be in recovery. And same thing, if you're on opioids, you really have to be in recovery. So any well, I mean, any it, kind of it, drugs like that. Well, know. the thing is, is this, you know, it the process can be dangerous. That's all. You know, it it, it should be done under the care of a doctor, right? The withdrawal Definitely. process can be very very difficult, right? Absolutely. Uh, just like treatment, treatment is not recovery. It's a road to recovery, and and recovery is not treatment, right? That they're very distinct things. So uh, important to, you know, get some professional help. And um, and also, I figured out the phone number, Tony, because, you yeah. know, I've been hit in the head a few times. So. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> it's one eight three three evoke me or one eight three 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 eight six six three five six. Okay. Um, so if you're looking for help, that's a good place to start. Um, 
Tony, I got to wrap it up because I got to get myself to one of those recovery meetings right now. And uh, so that I can keep being the guy that I am, but, um, I would love to come back and be on the show again. Um, as soon as you'll have me. Okay. That'll be no problem. You'll be hearing from me soon. Um, okay, keep... brother. Well, listen, thank you. And listen, Tony, thank you for, uh, for all that you do to bring attention to this, this very deadly disease. Um, and, and, and all the, all the time you spend in your life pointing people in the direction of getting help and, and getting support and supporting people yourself. Um, it's, it, it's definitely one of the main reasons why we're so close, brother. I'm really, really proud to call you friend. So thank you. I appreciate that, Jim. Same to you. All right. Thank you very much. I'll Good see luck you, at brother. The... Okay. Bye, Uncle Tony. Bye-bye. So now we'd like to open up the phone lines, 781-834-9639. Uh, any any question whatsoever, 781-834-9639. That's our phone number here at WMEX. And you can stay anonymous if you want to. And what we'd like to do is, uh, if you have an issue or you have somebody with a problem, and usually family members uh, is what shows like this are usually geared to. And I'd like to explain what a, what a couple of different things that one can do. One... Uh, families are unusually, if somebody is an addict in a family, that family's in chaos. No question about it. You know, and you can't really help the addict until you get straightened out and until you get a path. And, you know, this, um, in my personal opinion, from my experience, and I want to tell you what my experience is. And after my son passed, I became a, uh, I guess I'll call myself a customer, a patient of Hope Floats in Kingston. And uh, Hope Floats in Kingston is where parents go, uh, in my case, where parents go that lost somebody due to substance abuse or even suicide. Because, um, you know, a lot of those, those two are really connected um, because a lot of people commit suicide uh, struggling so much with drugs or alcohol, they just want to end it. And that's, they seem to kind of, I put them in the same category because you could end up there. And, and then after... I was coming, going there for a year or so. Um, I became what they call a facilitator. That basically means I just lead a group that has uh, anywhere from 10 to 14 or 15 people in it who have lost somebody, and they're a little newer than I was. You know, after a year, you go into different phases. When from one phase to the next, you know, with a within when you're dealing with grief, and so. Um, I became a facilitator, and that doesn't mean I'm a therapist. It's a big difference. I'm a facilitator is somebody who's already been down the same road. So we have a true understanding. When somebody says, oh, I know how you feel, or if they've never lost a child or they didn't lose their husband or, or somebody really close, they don't know how you feel. Uh, they think they do, and they want to help, but they really don't. And that's why you have peers at a, at a, at a group like that, and... And from that, though, I started learning all about why are these people getting addicted? Where is it happening from? What's going on? Um, and, and I want to share some of those things I found out. Uh, the biggest thing is with the opioids is it starts from a sports injury, an accident, with like in a car, uh, somebody hits, you know, stumbles on the sidewalk, and they get a knee injury. Uh, the biggest group I've seen is contractors in this area, guys who go fishing. They end up having injuries. It seems like uh, a bad back it seems to be the, the number one problem uh, in, in, with people in their 20s to 30s. Somebody has a back injury, and for some reason they're quick to give you opioids. And what is an opioid? Well, OxyContin is the number one, the one that they, they brought out in 1995, and this gentleman named Richard Sackler, he stated that, you know, this would be less than 1% of the people would be addicted. Well, first of all, if you take it for any length of time, like four weeks, 35% will still be on it a year from now. That's a serious addiction. Now, anybody else, and let's say you, you were on it and you were, they were giving you 40 milligrams of OxyContin twice a day, you have to... To get off of that, you just can't go cold turkey. 
and you've heard the term dope sick. Well, dope sick is, if you watch the, see the series on Hulu, dope sick, you, you'll see this young woman going through dope sick. You get the sweats, you're throwing up, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you, get, you lose your judgment. And the only way to stop dope sick is by having more opioids and going back on the drug. And so that's, it is so bad. The dope sickness is so bad and so awful. People go back to the drug even though they know it's killing them because it's the only way they can get any relief. And so what you have to do is you go from 40s to 20s to 10s and then vibes and nothing. And you have to come off slowly and you need a doctor to do that. And if you're in recovery at a recovery center, uh, they have another drug called Suboxidin and that's that a lot of places are using. And, I, and I'm okay with that, but it's the same thing. You can't stay on it forever because it's just another opioid. So you've got to be able to go down. And the same thing with methadone. If you're on, if, you, if somebody says, well, you go to the methadone clinic and they'll probably start somebody off with a 125 cc's of, method, of methadone, a liquid, and you get in line and it's very humiliating. You get in line at seven o'clock in the morning with 100 or 200 other people. And if anybody lives in the greater Boston area, you know that area they call Methadone Mile, um, that's where they were distributing methadone. And they give it to you once a day. And that'll take, that'll keep you from going back and using heroin or opioids. And I should be clear that an opioid, like an Oxycontin or an Oxycodone pill, is the same makeup as heroin. There's very little difference between the two. And that's, that's something you've got to understand. The only difference is you don't need a prescription to get heroin. You just need $10. And that makes it a lot easier. Now, and again, I don't want to get too far off here, but what's really happening now and why are we having so many deaths? Well, the reason why the deaths are up is because of fentanyl. Fentanyl is, an, is another high-potency opioid that when mixed with, with Oxy or mixed with Vicodin or Percocet or heroin, um, it really increases the activity of the drug. And one of the things about fentanyl, people say it's about 100 times stronger than heroin. That's pretty strong. And there's, there's, it, it, how does it get distributed? Well, there's a ton of artificial pills out there. Pills that look just like Oxycontin, have the 80 stamped on it, the 40 stamped on it. Everything looks exactly the same, except that this is a fake pill. This is a pill that's come from China, come from Mexico, or it might even come from somebody's cellar down the street. This is one of the things that we, we know happens. And, and because the airlines stopped going during the pandemic, and some of the natural drug didn't get into the country, what ended up happening was they started bringing in the fentanyl and mixing it with a fake pill. And with the fentanyl, you would still get the same reaction, except for the problem is that some people just can't manage it. And, you know, it's, an, it's what I find amazing is that if some, if some person dies from a fentanyl overdose, you would think, well, Good grief, the, the, the next addict would never go to the same person that they bought that from. And, and in their mind, they think that person is weak, couldn't handle it, and they'll go and buy the same thing. And they'll end up, they'll end up dying the same way. And, and it's like, uh, you, you just can't believe it. You know, and I, as a facilitator, I've had parents say to me, well, why didn't they just stop? Well, it's like asking somebody to stop eating. You know, this drug controls their brain so much, and it's just, it's not going to happen. You've got to be in a treatment center. You've got to be in a treatment center, and you've got to be weaned off of it slowly. And same thing with alcohol. You've got to be in a treatment center, and you've got to be weaned off. And now, that's a little different. Uh, they're going to find something to replace it with. And I'm not as familiar with that as I am with this. But the one thing, let's talk about the holidays coming up. One of the big things that I see happen all the time, um, I ask a parent, well, how did your son die? Well, his best friend came back from high school, came home on Christmas, and they went out partying. My son was sober for two years, and they went out partying. And they said, oh, come on, just take, just, just have one hit, just have one drink, 
just have one this. It's not going to kill you. Well, that's not true. Uh, if you've been sober for two years, this is the, could be the beginning of the end. One pill can kill when it comes to opioids. If you've been up to, if you were totally clean for two years and you take a pill that's 40 or 80 milligrams, you're in deep trouble because within a minute or two, what happens is your heart stops because your brain doesn't function and your heart will stop. Again, I want to give out the phone number, 781-834-9639, 781-834-9639. So we've got to deal with temptation. So if you're a parent or a spouse of someone who drinks or someone who's taken doing heroin, they're on any kind of drugs like heroin. They're not they're they're still on it. They need to be in recovery as soon as possible. But if um, if they've been clean for a while, they got to you got to encourage them. When I, I used to speak to a group in Massachusetts of kid guys who were sectioned, they're not kids, they're guys. They're all 18 and over who are sectioned because their parents or the chief of police in their town say they're out of control. They've overdosed twice and they're still not getting recovery. So like in, in my area here, they go to the Plymouth. Plymouth County um, Correction Facility, and it's down in the state forest, and they're, they're locked up. They can't leave, and they're there for 30 or 60 or 90 days. And the one thing I tell them to do is right now, I want you to delete all the phone numbers of anybody in your phone that have something to do with where did you buy your drugs or who did you do drugs with and who did you drink with. You need to get rid of them. You need to find a new set of friends, and you need to find friends that are clean. You know, take them to, you know, get them to go to the to church, get them to go to uh, gyms are interesting. You know, gyms, you can have just as bad an influence at a gym. A nice, quiet type of gym is better. Get them into exercising. If they're out jogging, doing stuff like that, where they're not going to necessarily hook up with another group of friends that might be in the same direction. Do we need to take a commercial here, Ben? No, no, not at all. I just uh, I had a uh, question for you along the uh, the lines of what you're saying, which, first of all, thank you. Just dropping knowledge left and right here for folks that might not otherwise have ever heard this before. Um, for folks that are in those initial stages where they've now established, okay, we've definitely got a problem. Someone we love needs our help. How do we go about starting this process? This can be probably one of, the most difficult things families will probably ever do in their lifetime together is overcoming the addiction and staying over it. How would you recommend folks take the initial steps? How do you even address this with the person you're trying to get to? Okay. Um, depends on how far gone they are. My, my first step would be go to a learn to cope meeting. Uh, go to a learn to cope meeting. And again, the phone number 508 738 5148. Tell them where you live. Tell them you need. Tell them exactly what you just asked me, and start from there. Now, there's obviously the addict is going to be in denial. Um, if somebody's overdosed and recovered, and by the way, anybody who's on any any type of opioid, you need to make sure you have Narcan in your house. You can go to the drugstore and buy it. Uh, you could probably go to the police the police station in your town and they probably give it to you. But you've got to have Narcan. What is Narcan? It's a drug. It's a chemical that when you, it's just like an inhaler. You squirt it up their nose and it immediately opens up the arteries that the opioids are closing. And that brings them right back to life pretty fast. You've got to do it quick, though. You've got to be able to do it within a minute to two minutes of the time they overdose. So it's... You know, you can't rely on the paramedics coming with it because some, if the paramedics come in five or six minutes, too late. You know, it's got to be done immediately. Um, the other thing is if, you, if they're really out of control and they won't cooperate, you have to go to court and have them sectioned. You have to talk to a judge and you have to tell them, tell them your story, tell them why you feel that this is a necessary thing. Now, if they're willing... You, let's hope you have insurance. Now, unfortunately, most insurance policies are for like two weeks. Not going to happen. You have to get real. I have a very good friend who sent their son to a, a facility, and, and he was there six months. And even after six months, it was, it was better, but it wasn't official. They got to get to that point where they, just like what Jim was saying, that every day, 
Every day, you've got to do it one day at a time. You can't think about two days from now. You've got to just stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. That's a good philosophy in life in general, by the way, is then is just staying in the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that's, that's crucial. Um, there's another company called Family Recovery Resources, and I'm going to give out that phone number, 786-859-4050. And a woman by the name of Beverly Buncher runs this. This is a national company. Uh, they have coaches all over America. Um, again, family needs to understand it. And their philosophy is not tough love when it comes to drugs. You, you can't do that. Because I'll tell you, I, I know, I've talked to so many parents, they kick their son or daughter out of the house, and 24 hours later, the police called and said that they were found dead in, a, in an alley somewhere. And because if they're shooting up, and they're shooting up on their own, um, that's not good. Because nobody's there to administer the Narcan. You know, if they're going to do it until you can get them in recovery, uh, it's, it's an awful thing to say. You know, and the biggest problem is everybody's worried about the stigma. What are the neighbors going to say? What's my brother going to say? What's my aunt going to say? You know, oh, I'm, I'm allowing this to happen. No, you're just allowing it to happen till you get them into recovery. You know, and they, you'll always hear that there's no beds available. That's never true. There's, there are beds available everywhere. The problem is what kind of insurance do you have? How much money do you have? You have money, you can get anybody into recovery. You know, and that's why you have to go to the government like, and put them into the uh, being sectioned. That's for somebody who doesn't have insurance. You have to do that. At least you get them clean for 60 to 90 days and you get a head start. And when I, had, when I would speak to the guys in recovery, I mean, at the, at, that was sectioned, I would say to them, I'd say, you know, guys, it's your choice now. First of all, get rid of your cell phone. If you really want to get better, get rid of your cell phone. Get rid of all those phone numbers. Just forget about it. You need to get a new set of friends and not these guys you're in here with. I said, this is not a, these are bad choices. I said, you need to go out and find some, some new friends. Go to, go, go to the church function. Do something. Go sign up for a basketball league. Do whatever you can do to keep yourself healthy. And you got you to gotta maintain. This is after you're done going through detox. Detox is critical because it's very dangerous. A lot of people that get detox, they can die if they do it too fast or they don't do it the right way. And it's very important. We don't want people dying. And and again, the family recovery resources that I just gave you, they'll tell you how to, how as a parent, how do you deal with this? And they'll give you suggestions. And they'll tell you love. Like, you know, like they say, like, Ben, you know, we love you. We want this to work for you. And let them know that you're not, you know, it's not, oh, oh you know, you and, and don't you don't ever get into an argument with them. It's the worst thing you can do. I'm not trying to make your life harder. We're trying to help you save yourself. Because we love you. They use that term all the time. Because we love you. We want you to be better. You know. So we're going to let you stay here, but there's going to be boundaries. You've got to have boundaries all the time. You know. And we want to get you into recovery. And I, I had some awful stories. You know. And some people are so so bad off. You know. They. They don't. They can't even wait to get into recovery. So you've got to keep an eye on them, because I'll tell you now. I'm on the other side. My son died, and as bad as you think it is, with having a person who's an addict or either alcohol or drugs in your household or around you, believe me, crossing that line and now being a parent with a hole in your chest, where you've lost your child or you've lost your husband. Um, it's awful. It's 10 times worse than dealing with an addict. So I, that's something you need to think about. You know, once you cross over, it's a real problem. And I, I do want to give out this number for Hope Floats, too. If you've had some, if you have lost a, a loved one, 781-585-4221. Um, uh, that's, that's where Hope Floats is. And you talk to Denise Brack at that, at that phone number. And if you've lost a child or loved one, and also if you've lost a spouse, and I'll, go, I'll tell you a story in a minute, and that that will be at least give you somebody else who's also in the same I, same thing with you. And I'm going to give you a, a, a second number because um, 781-799-0837. That's my number. 
And if somebody needs help or they're looking for advice, um, again, I'm not a professional. I'm just a person with a lot of experience. And you can call that number, 781-799-0837, and I'll, I'll help you in any way I can to go to, in the right direction or get you directed to the people who give you who can help you. Absolutely. Now, uh, I'll tell you uh, some horror stories, and this is the thing you got to remember. Uh, in Brockton, Massachusetts, I don't know where this bachelor party was, but I was running a group called GRASP three or four years ago. That's a grief response after a substance passing. And that group, it's open door. People just walk in. And one night I had 12 women walk in that were all between ages 20 and 35. And apparently every one of their boyfriends or future spouses went to a bachelor party. They all knew each other. And they had what they thought they were taking with something with opioids, something they thought they were taking. And it turned out to be it was all laced with fentanyl. And every one of them died. And I'd never had anything like it and, and seen anything like it. So that's a big thing. We gotta, you got to warn people. You can't do that during the holidays. You know, oh, oh this will make you feel good. No, nothing goes in your mouth that you don't know if you don't know what it is. Now, I want to just say one other thing that um, I'm on a, a board, a group called Fed Up, which is a national organization. And one of the things that they've come up with that I've, I learned that 35% of all teenagers who are addicted to drugs is because their dentist gave them a prescription for Percocet when they had their wisdom teeth removed. And they're still doing it. 16, 17, 18 year olds. Right, and they and six percent of who, of who get an opioid prescription when they get their uh, wisdom teeth removed, six percent are still on the drug a year later. And uh, I was with uh, Governor Sununu in New Hampshire uh, last Saturday, and in New Hampshire, you can only get three pills, and if you go back to get more, and the doctor field gives you more, the doctor's got to write a letter to the health department in New Hampshire explaining why. So they're pretty reluctant. And one thing I would say about New Hampshire and New Jersey, who both have that policy, is they're one of the two of the three states in the whole country that did not get um, an increase in opioid deaths during the pandemic. There's only three states that didn't get an increase. And that's one of the reasons. Another good reason is they have this law, which we're trying to get done in Massachusetts, and it's it's already in the House, and I'm waiting for a vote. It's in the, right now, the Health uh, health Committee has it, and we're trying to get them to vote on it in January, and it's called the Right to Know Act. And if anybody 18 or under is getting a prescription for an opioid, the parent has to be advised and sign off on it, basically. The parent has to be told this is a, a addictive drug. This is something that um, if your child takes it, there is a chance that that child could become addicted because you don't know who it's going to be. You know, again, this is a disease. People have the disease. Now the drug just activates it. And once it's activated, it's very hard to shut it off. There's no switch. You know, so we don't want to give it a drug. My whole theory is if we could stop prescribing and stop pushing it on everybody because other countries don't even allow opioids to be prescribed. You don't even allow it. A doctor in Germany, if he gave a prescription to somebody under 40, he would lose his license. Lose his license. And, you know, the Sacklers tried to get through in there. They wanted to get into the European Union. But people over there had some rules and some some situations, and that didn't happen. Again, um, before we run out of time, learn to cope is the first step that I would tell everybody to take. That's 508 738 5148 and learn to cope go to a meeting go to it on zoom you don't have to say anything you can just be on the zoom call and listen very very important and as far as the families go 786-859-4050 again um and and don't don't encourage things you know if you're going to have a party and you have somebody who's in sobriety or somebody who's trying to stay sober don't have any alcohol there you know 
Give it a break. It's only one day a year or two days a year. You don't need to encourage somebody and make it easy for them. Absolutely. And uh, Tony, I, I don't want to interrupt you. Certainly, we were in the last couple of minutes. But situations like that, being a bit more inclusive and including all of our friends and family like that, I think sometimes details like that slip the minds of those it's not in the forefront of. So then you've got that individual that would love to come be at the family party. They'd love to come see everybody. But not if there's going to be all kinds of stuff around like that that they know they, they can't handle. Now that's creating another barrier right there. So, again, simple kindness, thinking about these kinds of details, these situations, and not putting people in a detrimental spot like that. If that's what it takes, that's got to be what we got to do. Right. I mean, and if you're invited to a party and you know there's going to be alcohol, you can't go. Flat it's out. as simple as that. You cannot go. You cannot go. You cannot go. I mean, you know, and your friends should know better. But if they don't, and that's because they don't want to deprive other people who don't have that addiction problem, you know, that's what it is. Just you can't go. It's yep. very simple. And again, um, give us a call at any time. And if you can't remember my number, call Ben here at the station. That's right. And, and we'll get you going from there. Okay. Absolutely. And I'd like to thank everybody for their time. And we will have somebody next week. I'm hoping to get Joanne Peterson here next week. Uh, she is the founder of Learn to Cope, which was going way back to 2004. And I, I really would like to give more history and some other places where you can get some information. But I highly recommend you watch Dope Sick. If you have a child who's, who is addicted and you're struggling, you need to watch Dope Sick so you'll understand why that child got the way she is or he is. It's not their fault. That's the thing you got to remember and get over the stigma. There should be no stigma in a disease. When somebody gets cancer, there's no stigma. When you have the disease of addiction, there's stigma. And we, we're, we're done with that. We just, you, you just get, get over yourself if you're worried about what other people think. Who cares? You know, this, you're going to save this person's life. And that's more important than anything. Well said, Tony. Well said. And, uh, Family first, love first. It's what we need in this world. And Uncle Tony, I want to thank you for taking the time to pull this together and really bring this message to home. Upholding hope is a very important aspect of life, and I think you've done a good job of that tonight. Thank you thank very you. much. 